We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. I'm going to have some of the Lakers Nation crew joining me here today. Plus, we'll be taking questions and comments from those you're listening. Main topics for today, I want to get into the Lakers roster build and the future of the Lakers, what that looks like. I put something out on Twitter over on my account, at Trevor underscore Lane, that uh, the Lakers future isn't nearly as bleak as people are making it out to be. And so I want to kind of flesh out that conversation a little bit. We'll discuss that one. And uh, I also want to get into what their draft picks look like from here on out, because there's a lot of people that have this idea that they just have no draft picks for the foreseeable future, which is just completely untrue. So lots of stuff for us to get into today. First and foremost, though, let me say welcome in for everybody who is is joining us. If you're listening to this in the Lakers Nation podcast, this is our weekly Twitter Spaces show. So you're going to hear some other guests coming on here as well. I would ask that everyone please make sure that you do rate and review the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts. It is a great way to help out the show, and I really do appreciate all the the kind words that we've been getting in the review section. certainly means a lot. But with that being said, again, I'm going to have some of the Lakers Nation guys are going to be trickling in here as we get into the show. But let's start out with the Lakers draft pick situation. So there's a lot of people right now who are looking at the Lakers draft picks and saying, you know what, this team, they just don't have any future picks. They've got no hope for the future. Uh, they they don't have a pick until 2027, which is what we hear a lot because we constantly hear, oh, the Lakers, they're going to try to make a trade this offseason. They're going to use draft picks in order to move Russell Westbrook, or they're going to attach draft picks to Taylor Horton Tucker. And the, in order to do that, they're going to give their 2027 first round pick or their 2029 first round pick, maybe both of those things. So people hear that. And they think, oh, well, that means the Lakers don't have a pick until then. And that is simply not the case. What's happening, there is something called the Stepien Rule, which, again, a lot of NBA fans have heard of this, but I want to make sure we go over this. The Stepien Rule says that you can't trade two consecutive future first-round picks. So, for example, if you are random team X, you can't trade your 2026 and 2027 first. If you trade your 2026 first, then you can't trade the 2027 first. The next available pick for you to trade is the 2028 first. However, however, there is a little bit of a, a loophole with this where once you make the pick, once it's no longer a pick, once it's a player, you can go ahead and trade it. 
so for people saying the Lakers can't trade any future picks, well, they can't trade any picks until 2027 and 2029 because of the picks that they have committed to the New Orleans Pelicans, which also aren't quite as numerous as people tend to think. But they still have picks that once they select them, they will be able to trade them. They're just in those off years. So we've got to break that down a little bit. And let's, let's start there. So the Lakers right now, we know the Pelicans got the eighth overall pick this year from the Lakers as part of the Anthony Davis trade. That's something that happens. You know, it's unfortunate. Would have hoped that pick would be in the 20s, that the Lakers would have had the season that we wanted them to have. But that's what it is. The eighth pick goes to the Pelicans this year. Now, next year, the Lakers, it's not that they don't have a pick. They do have a pick. The Lakers will have a first-round pick next year, 2023. They'll have a first-round pick. The only thing is, there's a swap with it. So what that means is the Pelicans have the right to swap picks with the Lakers. Now, obviously, the only way that's valuable is if the Lakers pick is a better pick than the Pelicans pick. Essentially, if the Lakers finish higher in the standings next season than the Pelicans do, then that pick swap is worthless. The Pelicans will not use it. If it's the other way around and the Pelicans are better than the Lakers, which right now, as of this moment, the Lakers did not good this season. The Pelicans were better than the Lakers this season and will probably get better next season, particularly with Zion coming back. So you can say that as of right now, most likely the Pelicans will probably be better than the Lakers next season. So the pick swap as of this moment looks like it would come into play. But who knows what the Lakers are going to do this offseason. Maybe they're healthier next season. The Pelicans, you never know with Zion's health. So who knows exactly what that's going to look like. But remember, that is not a certainty that that has any value at all. Next season's pick swap could have zero value whatsoever to the Pelicans. The Lakers could lose nothing in that. But regardless, even if the Pelicans do invoke that swap right, the Lakers are going to have a first-round pick next year. That's, that's the bottom line. Now, can they trade it as of this moment? No. But the second they make that pick, they can trade it. The second they make the pick they can trade that pick. We saw it with the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, as soon as they used a pick, then it went out. They've done this in the past. In the past, They did it with the Anthony Davis trade. Um, we've seen them do this many times. Uh, DeAndre Hunter wound up being the guy that they picked with the fourth pick, and then they wound up shipping that out for Anthony Davis. As soon as you actually select a player, boom, you can trade that pick. So next season, the Lakers could have a first-round pick to move, just they won't be able to do it until the summer, so it won't give them stuff until the 2024 season. From there, the Pelicans have the option to pick either the 2024 or 2025 pick from the Los Angeles Lakers. They can take one of those two, and they get again, they get the option. And for them, they're probably just going to be keeping a close eye on LeBron and seeing what where LeBron is at. Is he still with the Lakers? Is he slowing down? If he's still looking good in 2023, then maybe, and he says, then maybe they, they wait until 2025 to get the pick. Either way, they have the option, but the Lakers the other one. So again, in terms of from here on out, what do the Lakers owe the Pelicans? The only definite is one draft pick. That's it. One draft pick and a pick swap, which could be something or it could be nothing. Every other draft pick of theirs, the Lakers have. Now, people have asked about future second round picks. The Lakers have two future second round picks that are going out right now but also two future second-round picks that they've traded for that are coming back in. Now, they don't have any second-round picks this year, but it's, it's basically a wash in terms of the number of second-round picks that they've got. They have two of theirs going out, two other teams that are coming back in. 
So second-round picks, not like they're hurting that bad there. Again, they don't have one this year. Maybe they'll buy one. But when you look at the Lakers' future and you look at the, the draft asset they've got, would they prefer to have their own draft pick, especially if LeBron does leave? Yes, absolutely. They would prefer to have their own draft pick in 2024, 2025. But that's not a whole lot that they're that they're committed for the future here. So they've got other picks that they can use. But again, because, because of the way those picks are spaced out, that makes so they can't trade them in the future. And that's why they have to go to 2027 and 2029 to be able to trade those future picks. They'll have other first-round picks, just ones that they can't trade until they actually make that selection. And who knows, by that point, maybe they'll they'll have guys that they want to keep. I've got uh, Sean Davis from Lakers Nation joining me on here. We're going to chat about some of this stuff. So, Sean, welcome in, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. So, Trevor, uh, thanks for having back on. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing another one of these. These are always fun to be able to interact with a lot of you guys. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. So, I've kind of been doing just this quick rundown of the Lakers draft pick obligations and what that what that looks like. I put out there on Twitter last night that, you know, and I'm going to get into the cap space in a minute, the Lakers' future isn't nearly as bleak as people make it out to be. There's a lot of people that just, just think the Lakers are doomed, that they that they have no future, they have no flexibility, they're admitted to this team long-term, and they have no draft picks. And that's just not the case when you look at what they actually have going out and what, the, what they'll actually have available. They don't have a draft pick this this summer, but next summer they will. I don't know. I'm, I just don't understand all of the doom and gloom, aside from, of course, it was an extremely negative season. But the future of the Lakers, to me, is not that bad. They don't have a bunch of young players or anything like that. But this is the Lakers. I think they're always going to be a marquee franchise. They're always going to be able to attract talent. I don't think the future looks nearly as bleak as a lot of people are making it out to be. But maybe I'm being overly optimistic. Maybe I'm channeling my my Matt Peralta here. Sean, what what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad that you touched on it uh, because a lot of Lakers fans buy into the myth that the Lakers don't have picks since they can't trade any, and you obviously just uh, broke it down. But I'm all, I've been on the more optimistic side. Hey, it's not all doom and gloom. I personally think they'll be a lot better next year. Um, now, if you bring back Russell Westbrook, then maybe I'll be a little bit more doom and gloom for next <laughs> year's season. Um, but no, I, I'm in the same boat with you, I guess, that I think they're going to have flexibility cap-wise whether it's next season, 2024 or 2025, they're going to have cap room in one of those summers. It just depends on, like, for example, if they do Russ for Hayward and Oubre, and I think you might have to go on PGO Washington for cap reasons. If you th- if that's the deal they trade for Russ, they make for Russ, okay, instead of it being next year, you have cap flexibility for 2024. So I'm with you. I'm not all doom and gloom. Um I think Jeannie knows. I thought that the LA Times article, it she said all the right things. So you just obviously have to hope that they'll, because uh, the Lakers team last year, they would say some good stuff and then not follow through with their word, a.k.a. Uh, LeBron tweeting out, hey, we're going to be better, and then continue to crap the bed. Uh, but, you know, she said all the right things at LA Times interview. And for the first time, it felt like, might there might be real changes made in the front office. So I'm on the more optimistic side that the Lakers will figure this out, whether it be next year. And then, like I said, like you just said, they will have draft picks. And um, they're going to have cap room 
whether it's next year to pay on LeBron or the following year to pay on if you make a Russell Westbrook trade. So it's not all doom and gloom, Lakers fans. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point about the, the cap space. They have a ton of cap space as of right now in 2023, and we'll get into that uh, in just a moment. I'm really curious to see what they can ultimately do with all the cap room that they've got. And again, don't have a pick in this year's draft, but not the end of the world. They could potentially buy another pick. But I want to bring on a guest here. I've got uh, Jay Breezy joining us. Jay, how, how are you doing? Really quickly before we pull him up here, uh, they could also also just undraft, uh, sign an undrafted free agent as well. Like, There's so many other options besides having a first-round pick. Sure. Yep. That, that's also a good point. Yeah, I can sign an undrafted free agent a la Austin Reeves, which we saw take place last year. Uh, Jay, are you there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nope. No, Jay. Wasn't able to get in here. Okay. Well, let's... I'm going to bring in some other people, too. I've got some other people that have have requested. Uh, But... Sean, I'm going to bring somebody in right now, in fact. But, Sean, you mentioned this whole idea that the Lakers could go after an undrafted free agent. I know you're looking at some of those draft prospects. What do you think about this class overall in terms of the free agents that are out there, the guys who could go undrafted and potentially see the Lakers swoop and grab them? Does this class have that kind of depth? Oh, for sure. There's a guy that I've already talked a lot about on the YouTube channel, Lakers Asian YouTube channel or LakersAsia.com doing an article on him. Jordan Usher, in a lot of classes, would probably be a second-round pick at the bare minimum, but he's not going to get drafted this year. For Georgia Tech, uh, a wink. He described his game kind of Dylan Brooks or Draymond. There's similarities there, um, but he's not going to get drafted. He didn't get a combine invite, and he's like on nobody's big boards, but like the very first clip I popped on of him, he's like diving on a loose ball. I'm like, yes, the Lakers need that kind of player. Excellent passer. And that's just the kind of player you want, a la like Austin Reeves. And, I mean, even if he doesn't pan out, just take a shot on him. Like, seriously, the Miami Heat, you look at the roster right now before we let let some of the other guys speak. uh, Max Scherz, undrafted. Gabe Vincent, who starred in the Eastern Conference Finals because there's no Kyle Lowry right now, undrafted. Jordan Poole in Golden State, he was a G League guy. So there's nothing wrong with just taking a shot on a guy that has some upside and athleticism. He's also freaky athletic. Um, so, yeah, I would love Jordan Usher as an undrafted free agency uh, potential. 
Yeah, I like it. And I think the Lakers have done a nice job of finding these kind of diamond in the rough type players and then mm-hmm. turning them into something. Even if they ultimately trade those guys before they really become their their final form or they hit their peak or, or whatever, they've done a nice job identifying talents in the draft. I think what they do with that talent, uh, that's that's another that's a completely different skill set and, and another discussion yeah. in terms of do they value those guys enough once they've found them. But uh, Quintel, Quintel joining us, joining us here. Uh, how are you? All right, I'm doing okay. Thank you for adding me. Sure. Thanks. So, what are your thoughts on on the Lakers, their future, the roster build, the well, draft? I, I want to talk about mind? the coaching search. I want to ask, um, if we bring Westbrook back, if, do you think um we have a better chance going with Mark Jackson or a young coach with no experience? So I think specifically bring back Westbrook, I think that tips me more towards a veteran coach because I think that's another dynamic that you have to add to the you know the team chemistry. Westbrook was not happy last season. Uh, we know that. He had issues with Frank Vogel. It's already a difficult thing to come in as a new coach with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, just kind of working around those personalities. And I'm not saying that that's a negative thing, but it's just something that you have to be able to navigate. And if you are adding, if you're bringing Westbrook back and you're keeping that that dynamic in the mix, I think it becomes that much more important that you've got a veteran coach that already has that respect from the players. Um, if Westbrook is not back, then I think it opens the door a little bit to go with a first-time head coach, like maybe, maybe a Darvin Ham or someone like that. But again, if the Lakers say, okay, Westbrook is back, then to me, I think it just pushes you a little bit more towards a veteran coach that already has experience in the NBA. Sean, I don't I you're probably the the highest on Darvin Ham though out of anybody on our staff. What do you think if let's say the Lakers decide Westbrook is back, do you still consider going with a first-time head coach knowing that you now have LeBron, AD and Russ together? If you bring Russ back, then I'm like scared for my life that we're going to get Terry Stotts cuz that just feels like su- cuz when Terry was in Portland, it was a lot of high screen and roll game with Dame, CJ, and Nurkic. Space the floor out, give them some shooters, and let Dame, CJ attack the rim and, you know, be their best versions of themselves. So if you bring back Russ and you want to quote unquote maximize Russell Westbrook, for being honest, the coach, it, Russ was not good last year. I don't think, no matter, we've talked about this in the past, it could have been Eric Spolstra coaching last year's team. The Lakers still weren't going to figure it out, and Russ still would have been uh, that good last year. But if you want to, quote-unquote, maximize him, give him somebody that's going to let Russ be Russ in the biggest possible way. Let him get downhill and be aggressive and maybe miss a dunk every once in a while. But, um... No, so if you bring back Russ, I'm nervous they're gonna they're gonna hire Terry. Um, but yeah, I'm still all in on Darvin Ham. But those dreams might be dashed if we bring back Russ. Honestly, all right. I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we should trade Russ first or hire a new coach first? Hire a new coach, personally. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think I think you hire a new coach first, and then because the pieces you're gonna get back in a trade what you're going to value might change a little bit depending on who your coach is. Now, not to the same degree as you see in other sports where, you know, players are expected to adapt to the coach's system, particularly if you look at, you know, like college football or even college basketball, something like that. Um, The NBA is much more the coach adapts to the players that are on the team. And that was maybe one of the shortcomings of Frank Vogel this season. But in general, I think the Lakers should bring in a head coach first. 
so you've got an idea of what you're working with and what kind of the what kind of schemes you're looking at running and things of that nature, and then figure out what you're going to do with Russell Westbrook so that coach can have some input. Um, if a team presents you with an option, uh, for example, let's say Charlotte says, you know what, we will do Gordon Hayward and and Kelly Oubre Jr. We will also do Terry Rozier, Oubre, and Plumlee. We'll, we'll do either one of those deals. Which one do you want? You want your coach to be able to weigh in on that kind of decision. I'm not saying that's really out there or what's going to happen, but just you want the coach's input when you're making big moves like that. So I would say also uh, you sign the coach first. All right. All right. Thank you for having me on. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I do need a job because I've been firing you for over five years, so I need a job. All right. Well, you can you can hit me up with a with a DM, and we'll uh, we'll keep working. <laughs> All right. Thanks. I agree with what you were saying, though, Trev. Uh, like we saw last year with Frank, that it's the coach's job to get the most out of the roster, or they're going to get fired. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't tell me Frank Vogel had a hand in picking that roster, and if he is, then drug, as Ryan would say, uh, drugs are good for you, kids. Um, because it doesn't make sense why a defensive-minded coach would pick a roster of 35-and-up dudes plus Malik Monk and Austin Reeves. Like, that doesn't make sense. So I think the head coach should at least have some uh, hand in the roster decision-making. Obviously, it's the GM's final call, but the head coach should have, like, Kyle Shanahan in the NFL. He has a big hand in making sure his roster works and it fits his scheme. So I just think that's how, that's how it should work, personally. Well, that, that's a good point, too, is that if they hire the coach first, they have to also be willing to listen to that coach's input. Like you said, hard to imagine that Frank Vogel was on board with a lot of the changes the Lakers made this last summer. So if you're going to, I guess, if you're not going to listen to what the coach wants, then it doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter when, doesn't you, matter. when you hire the coach first or you make the trade first. Yeah. You've got to be willing to listen to the coach first and foremost. Uh, all right, Danny Kilsey uh, joining us. From uh, here on uh, on Twitter Spaces, Danny. Thanks so much for hopping on here. What's up? What's up? You guys hear me? Thanks for having yep. me on. Um, just had a question for you guys. I don't know if you saw uh, the odds this morning, but Kyrie is, is seven to one odds to coming to Lakers. So I think that's the fourth on the list. Do you guys think that's realistic, or how would that work if we could somehow get Kyrie? Obviously, ship for us. Yeah, um, I mean, I. I get the the LeBron connection. I get the Lakers are a team that's seen as desperate to make a move. So if I'm odds maker, you could say, well, if anybody's going to go make it happen and going to be willing to bring in Kyrie, because some teams will just say, you know, we don't we don't want to deal with with what Kyrie brings to the team uh, off the court, and so they're they're not going to be willing to take him on. I, I get that the Lakers are a team that probably would be willing to make that move, but just logistically. Making that happen is tough, particularly when you factor in that Kyrie's going to be a free agent. So now we're talking about a signed trade situation. Unless we get crazy and the Lakers, you know, wave and stretch Ross in order to free up a little bit of cap room, and Kyrie's willing to take way less. And I mean, we just you, there's so many hoops you have to jump through, and so many things that come across to me as improbable that I would be very, very surprised if it if it ultimately happens. But Danny, let's say that was an option for the Lakers to swap out Russell Westbrook and get Kyrie Irving and whatever you have to do cap wise in order to make it happen, the Lakers find a path. Would you make that that switch? Would you swap out Russ and, and take Kyrie? I mean, personally, I would. I think Kyrie is, you know, great player. He's proven to be clutch. I know there's been some obstacles off the court, but I think 
I mean, hopefully he's matured by now. And I think LeBron and him have been great together. I think it'd be a great combination. Just throw him in there with AD. I'll build around that team and be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I think the same. I think that on the court, you know, you, we can argue whether or not allocating resources towards a ball handling point guard is the ideal fit with with LeBron. He's found ways to make it work in the past, but in general, if you're swapping out Russ and you're getting Kyrie, I think that is a net positive for the Lakers. But again, I think the logistics to get there don't look great. Sean, where do, where do you weigh in on that? Would you? be interested in that kind of a swap and bringing in Kyrie and uh, and moving out Russ if there's some way. And again, I think it's unlikely, but if you could find some way to make it work. I do it in a heartbeat, like so fast. Like I'm running to Adam Silver in the league offices to get the deal done. Um, to win basketball games, you need better basketball players on the floor. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is when healthy and when not uh, – being Kyrie Irving, I guess, is the best way to put that, or nicest way, rather, off the floor. Um, when Kyrie Irving's on the court, he is one of the best players in the world uh, who already has the championship pedigree and knows how to win. He's played with LeBron James. Um, obviously, you know, things didn't end well for those two in Cleveland, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little separation, you know, get back together. Uh, I wish we had Matt here for relationship analogy there. Um, yeah, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. Lakers need more good basketball players, and Kyrie Irving is a really, really good basketball player. Agreed, agreed. Um, interesting to see that the odds did come out. I think the Pacers might have been near the top of the list there for, for Kyrie, which is interesting. It would be that would be kind of weird to see to see him in Indiana. No question. Uh, Danny, did you have anything else for us? That's it. That's it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining. Looking forward to next season. Thank you. Yep. All right. So Kyrie rumors. I mean, you know what, Sean? The the thing about the Lakers is this. And for anybody who is a newer Lakers fan, which my goodness, if you're a newer Lakers fan, you you jumped into the thick of it. The worst season in Lakers history. So I feel for you if you are a newer Lakers fan. But one of the things that we know with the Lakers during the off season, heck, during the regular season. Every player that is out there gets connected to the Lakers. Every coach that is out there gets connected to the Lakers for a few things. I mean, part of that is, you know, clicks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, if you add the Lakers into any particular rumor or topic, that topic gets a lot more attention if, if the Lakers are in there. It's just it's the way it goes. The Lakers have the largest fan base in the world, and that, that kind of stuff does matter. Uh, also, though, we've got a history with the Lakers of finding ways to get some of the best players. So, They've done it historically. When you look at the salary cap and you look at the CBA and how it works, you can look at certain situations and say, well, you know, it's ex extremely unlikely that they can figure out a way to get this particular player. But the bottom line is that the Lakers have found ways to do interesting things with their roster and scenes past. So there's always kind of that suspension of disbelief because it's the Lakers. Maybe they figure out a way to pull something off. But regardless, just know the Lakers, they get put into pretty much every rumor that's out there. Um, betting lines will often show them as more likely to do something than not. And I should have mentioned this while Danny was still on with us, but, um, but some of that is because the Lakers have so many fans that people will put money on the Lakers to do something, even if it's winning a championship, and that can help move the line as well. Um, so that's something that that matters when we're looking at, at things like betting odds. Um, so 
Just something to keep in mind. The Lakers expect a lot of rumors involving the Los Angeles Lakers. I personally, I love it because I love breaking down all the different possibilities and the cap and how all of that can work. For some people, they get frustrated that there's a lot of talk and not quite as much action. But again, for me, as long as you go into it knowing that these are all possibilities that are out there, things that are being discussed, not necessarily concrete that something is is happening, I, I think I get through it just fine. I don't know. Sean, do you get do you get frustrated with the amount of rumors that we go through and just kind of get to that point where you just want something to happen? Or are you like me where you just kind of love being in the weeds and and in the midst mixed of uh midst of all these rumors? I'm I'm like you in that regard. I get more frustrated with uh like for example the Kyrie everything is fun to sit here and talk about it, but I think there's has to be a level of understanding that it's probably not gonna happen. So my frustration is when people like start to write it in. I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. As fun as it would be, it doesn't make sense. So that's where my frustration is. But no, I love just sitting here and talking about breaking it down and maybe sitting in fantasy land for a little bit. But, you know, coming back to reality and say, no, that's not realistic. But yeah, I mean, and yeah, like you said, every single player is going to get connected to the Lakers for some reason. Well, it's the Lakers. That's the reason. But um, yeah, I enjoy it personally. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a lot of fun. And again, if you're if you go into it expecting that some players are going to become Laker, and then that's where the the problems come in because people get frustrated when that player then doesn't become a, a Laker. Then they're saying, "Well, what happened with this?" Um, I think if you take everything with a grain of salt and just understand that lots of things get discussed in the NBA, it's I mean, it's almost like if you play fantasy sports, it's the same kind of idea where lots of stuff gets discussed doesn't necessarily mean. Something is going to happen. I'm bringing in another guest here. We have uh, OVO Lake Show coming in, who has Kobe Diehard in their uh, in their description here. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys, Trevor. Big fan of you guys. Um, thanks for bringing me on. Um, I, I just wanted to touch on like what you just discussed right there. Um, just the array of rumors. Like the off season ended, and it almost seemed like the Lakers were a bigger story than the NBA playoffs or the NBA playing tournament. It was the craziest thing. We talked about the Charlotte Hornets, the Indiana Pacers, all these players involved, like with us, and then the coaching search is now picking up. So it's just just crazy to see how we still, <laughs> for lack of a better word, dominating the league when we're not even in the league, uh, technically speaking, anymore. Um, but I, I just wanted to ask, like, or get your guys' thoughts on like um, just the array of rumors and like what direction, like in this current state, like you feel like things are swinging towards because I feel like the the teams that are out there for this potential rust trick because i'm of the mindset that of everything that went down for personal reasons for us it, it just is not responsible to bring him back as a laker uh i just don't see how you can come back from that w- without you know uh fan support or anything like that and just tell a fan base to, to come clean or, or start a new slate in a sense um where do you guys see things swinging because people are saying um you know the expiring is attractive which is why Russ has trade value but for other than that, like the basketball reasons, they're they're kind of uh, wary and cloudy in a sense when 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 speaking about a trade for Russell Westbrook if you're an opposing team. So just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Really quickly, Trevor, before you go, mm-hmm. I just want to add on to his point. Like, and I brought up Genie's LA Times interview earlier. There's no way Genie could do that interview and bring Russ back. It's impossible. Without a doubt. Without, Without a doubt. You, you can't do it's it. It's not even so. close. I just want to say that before you went, Trevor. And, and also, too, to that point, just real quickly, again, like Rob Palenka's exit interview, the way he was tiptoeing around his names and just being very 
corporate in general about that sense. Like, you know, we're just going to do whatever it takes to make this team better. And not in speaking on his name is, is very telling as well. Yeah, like you can't. Yeah. So, Sean, why, why don't you tackle this this first? Then, what was it about the the genie interview that made you think, okay, Russ is definitely gone? And then, why don't you why don't you tackle the the rest of the question? And then, and then I'll go second here. We'll switch things up this time. Huh. Yeah, no yeah. problem at all. Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, first off, with the interview, like I was saying, she said everything perfect. Like she she voiced similar frustration that I think every single real Lakers fan had this year. Like, what the heck was that? We were supposed to be uh, on the mountain of title contender. We, we were the title favorite before we had hit to the season to win. The, we were the favorites to win the title. So she voiced all the frustration and anger of every single Lakers fan and basically said, I'm paraphrasing, like, we have to make this better. I'm upset. We have to make this better. GD, everything, and I don't remember the whole area off the top of my head, but Everything you said is the right thing to say, and you voiced a lot of Lakers fans' frustrations. But if she break, if they break back Russ, that interview doesn't matter anymore. Because like, what the heck? <laughs> it doesn't matter what she said. Because it's just like again, the LeBron tweet: "We will be better." Because he used to go on a eight-game losing streak or four-game losing streak. We didn't win it on the road from like January to March, if I remember. I think it was something along those lines. Um, so. Yeah, like, you, you cannot bring Russell Westbrook back, it is the, and I think Jeannie kind of understands that to a certain extent, the the lack thereof, really, of a relationship between the fans and Russ, uh, Russ's exit interview was just like the the fire uh, that didn't even really need to be added, it was just addition uh, to everything that already happened. So, yeah, I don't know. You can't bring Russ back. Jeannie's interview, I thought, solidified that. Russ's exit interview, damn sure solidified that. Sorry, Trevor. Um, but, yeah, you can't bring back Russ. What was the second part of the question? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And the second part, yeah, now that that's kind of set, now it's about moving off of Russ, right, which we all agree on is just sort of how you're taking in all these rumors. And for me personally, when I see these rumors in these teams where financially it makes perfect sense, uh, for Russ to go there, you know, the counter argument uh, of that is besides the intrigue of an expiring contract, what does Russell Westbrook then do from a basketball standpoint for those other teams? Does it automatically, can we assume their the teams are using him as a John Wall contract in a sense where they're going to sit him out for the year or work a buyout thing on that end? Or is there, is there somewhere where a basketball fit actually makes sense at this point? Well, <clears throat> you're likely trading him to a small market and I mean, Russ is going to drag attention wherever he is. Um, if you take him to Charlotte, for an example, there was a rumor that Russ might actually play minutes in Charlotte, which is why the Charlotte deal might be a little bit more likely. Plus, the Lakers would probably have to give up less draft capital. Um, you would just let him go. He could play a 1,000 miles per hour, make mistakes, be Russ. They're not contending. They don't have expectations. So Russ could do Russ. I wouldn't be surprised next year if Russ went to Charlotte, averaged like 22, 9, and 8 or whatever, and people start talking about him as a top five point guard again. It's like, no, he's okay or whatever. But like me personally, I'm not bad. I'm not here to bash Russ. But me personally, I don't think Russ can affect championship basketball. Push in a, in a uh, small market team that's not competing, sure, he'll have a bunch of great numbers or whatever. So, um, yeah, put him in Charlotte, let him just go 
people up the floor at a thousand miles but, per hour all game long. Um, but outside of that, like you train Indiana or somewhere where he's not going to really play because they have a bright future ahead of them. Right. You're probably talking about a buyout because right. Russ is not coming off the bench because so, he's making $47 million. Because so. I, I would agree with that first point on Charlotte because obviously we remember his best game of the season was in Charlotte too. So, you know, yeah. anyone, anytime that uh, GMs or the front office executives are able to see a player up close uh, against their own team, that's when they're really paying attention. And so I'm sure they took note of that, which is why they were the first rumored team for, uh, you know, our trade proposal. But, uh, and I like what you said in theory, but then, you know, for them specifically trying to build around LaMelo Ball, that's where I think the stunting of, their young core's growth, even though they are rebuilding, they do have young pieces such as a Miles Bridges uh, and, and a Lamelo Ball, where you know want to build around. So that's been the counter argument: is like, why would I bring Russ in to let Russ be Russ when I have a more efficient version of that in a Lamelo Ball? Whether or not that translates to wins or not. Yeah, there's there's a lot here to to consider in in a Russell Westbrook trade. I mean, like you said, if you're bringing him in. Is he going to dump the growth of your other guys? If he wasn't making $47 million, it's a lot easier if he's making $10 million, $15 million, whatever, to say, Russ, you're coming off the bench. Russ, this is going to be your role. This is what you're going to do. As the highest paid player in the league, though, a little bit more difficult to do that. So when I look around the league, I think this is the, the challenge is, it, can Russ be seen as anything more than an inspiring contract? I don't know that he can. Just... Forget about Russ. Who needs point guard? Look around the NBA. How many teams need a point guard? There's not many. There's just there's not many. I mean, the Clippers need a backup point guard. Miami needs a backup point guard. Maybe the Knicks need a point guard. That, I the mean, Knicks that's that's everything. Yeah, the Knicks need, but again, but the Knicks do the Knicks want Russ? So I mean, you can maybe check that box for what five teams tops that this team needs a point guard, and then from there. Of among those teams, how many of them want that point guard to be Russell Westbrook? That's a I don't know that there's anybody on that list. That's the that's the challenge for moving Russell Westbrook to any team that's actually going to use him on the floor, particularly if Russ has it in his mindset that I'm the guy, I need the ball, I'm gonna do my thing, I'm gonna average triple doubles. If that's his mindset, it makes it all the more difficult. If his, if his mindset is I'm gonna fit in wherever I go. I'm going to do what I need to do, uh, whatever role the team wants me to play. That's what I'm going to do. That's a different story, but that's not the Russell Westbrook that we've seen so far, which I think complicates the entire trade situation. And here's another thing that I think we're not talking about enough. Russell Westbrook has not picked up his player option yet. And everybody expects him to, but he doesn't have to make a decision until the end of June. After the draft, if Russell Westbrook doesn't like where the Lakers are rumored to be trading him to, he just waits it out and doesn't pick up his option until the last minute. And by then, maybe that trade destination or whatever it is has moved on to other stuff. That's another factor in all this is that if the Lakers are going to move Russell Westbrook, they need a little bit of cooperation from him in terms of picking up that option. Otherwise, if they decide, if they decide tomorrow, Russ, we're going to trade you to Minnesota or something, and he says, I really don't want to go there. He's just not going to make a decision on his player option, and you are not legally able to trade him until that happens. So I don't think we're talking about that enough either. Not only is it does Russ fit in terms of basketball, not only is it how much his salary is, can the Lakers get back pieces for him, what do you have to attach in order to get a team to take him on? It's also the timing of it. 
because Russell Westbrook, as of this moment, still has control of the situation. Right, right. No, I, I completely agree with you guys. And then if I, I have a final question, if that's all right, just a point of bigger picture of all this. So using that example right there um, of the rest situation, we have the reports that are constantly going on, which is the basis of all this this conversation. The the mishandling and the conflicting reports ever since the season ended, let's use the Russell Westbrook case, for example. Um, you know, they're looking into deals, Charlotte, Indiana, and then now The Athletic is reporting this and this about sort of keeping him interviewing coaches about, you know, how would you utilize Russ in our system and people just talking about this being a leverage point and a leverage play. This this conversation is less about basketball and more about leverage in a sense. And it, it's just the media ploy and the dysfunction in a sense of the onus that the front office is giving on this Russell Westbrook situation instead of staying private about it. Does that concern you? Because it does concern me to a very, very high degree to the point where we might we might dead his trade value before the market even opens when the offseason begins. So does that concern you at all with, with how things are leaking out and how the front office is handling things? Or where do you guys stand on that with a new report kind of conflicting um, and contradicting itself seemingly almost every week? I mean, in general, leaks are a concern, sure. Um, we've seen some of the best moves are the ones that come from out of nowhere that nobody's ever heard. Of. You know, I mean, think about the Pau Gasol move, how that just came out of left field. Like, nobody was talking about Pau Gasol to the Lakers. And had they been talking about it, it probably wouldn't, wouldn't have happened, right? Because other teams would have jumped in and done what they could to try to mess that up. In this situation, though, if the plan is to trade Russ, I think the the prevailing notion out there is that the Lakers are desperate to do it. And so if you don't do something to try to change that, and it might be futile, it might, it, it, there may be no point to it because even putting it out there that, hey, we are really considering bringing back Russ, maybe teams just don't believe it. And I think that's probably, if I'm an opposing team, I wouldn't believe it. But I think you have to try. You have to put that out there because right now, the, the leverage, the bargaining situation, it is not in the Lakers' favor. So getting out there that they might consider keeping him and that they're, they're talking to coaches about potentially keeping him, I think that's a positive thing, even if it doesn't ultimately result in a, in a better trade for the Lakers because teams don't buy it. I think it's the kind of thing where you have to try. But if we pan back like big picture, yeah, sure, the, the leaks are certainly a problem. And maybe that is a symptom of having so many cooks in the kitchen when we talk about, I mean, certainly Magic Johnson is somebody who likes to talk to people. So you've got a lot of people in, in the organization, a lot of people privy to what's going on, and that can create some problems for you as well. So again, big picture, the leaks, I think, are a problem. But as far as the this exact situation, I think this is actually kind of what you need to do if you're going to trade Russell Westbrook, is try to at least somehow convince people that keeping him would not be a colossal failure. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Big fans of yours. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. We, we truly appreciate Thanks. it. All right. Sean, a lot of, a lot of Russell Westbrook talk there. I think, I mean, and of course, because that is going to be one of the big stories of this, this Lakers off season. Let's talk a little bit about yeah. the cap space here. Let's talk about cap space mm -hmm. because Russell Westbrook, the one thing, right. And I, I put this out on Twitter last night. So the one thing is, even if, and I think this would be a failure if the Lakers did not trade Russell Westbrook, but worst case, you've got him for one more year. It's not like he's on a four-year deal. You've got one more year of Russell Westbrook. And as of right now, the Lakers are set up 
to have all the cap space in 2023. You would have Anthony Davis on your roster. You would have Taylor Tucker has a player option. That's about it, right? Now you can say, well, they're going to have to pay Austin Reeves, assuming he continues to develop. There are things they can do this summer too that will eat into that 2023 cap room. Some may be coming out of this summer. That's no longer the case. But as of this moment, The Lakers have a ton of financial flexibility moving forward, and that gives them the ability to go in a lot of different directions with this team. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on LeBron James and what he does, but I think this notion that they're locked in to this team that is just doomed to fail for the next for forever um, is just not true. They actually have a lot of flexibility right now to take this team in a completely different direction if they so choose as early as next summer. Yeah, and I mean, like I mentioned earlier a little bit, if the Lakers, so let's play hypothetically here, I guess. If, let's say LeBron, for some reason, does not re-sign his extension, it does not come back, let's say keep Russell Westbrook because the only deal on the table is John Wall for Russ. Going into next season, next offseason, 2023 offseason, like you mentioned, with AD on your books, a THT player option, and maybe paying Austin Reeves, if I'm not mistaken. And then you'll have the draft pick, and then you'll have a boatload of cap space. That's what you're looking at. Let's say LeBron comes back. Okay, you'll still have some cap space available. Or if you do a Russ for Hayward and Ubre trade, okay, your roster's looking a little bit more filled out. So you might not have a, a lot of money to spend on. But then guess what? It's 2024 you put, have cap space, because then it's just AD and uh, Austin Reeves if, he, if you re-sign his uh, if he, sorry, if you extend his contract after next season, assuming it'll go past 2024. So it'll be AD, Reeves, and a buttload of cap space, because uh, Hayward's done after 23, or no, Hayward's done after 24. 23, I believe. Okay, so yeah, Hayward's done after 23, so he's off the book. Oh, no, wait, sorry, 23 would be the conclusion of Russ's contract. Hayward has one more year than Russ, so it'd be 24. Okay, so yeah, it'll be Hayward, AD. And then, so basically, all, all, all it is, all with the trades, unless it's the Pacers trade, the Pacers trade, then you're really pushing it back. But if you do that Hornets trade, you're just pushing back the free cap space one additional year. So the Lakers, <coughs> excuse me, down the line, they're going to have a bunch of cap flexibility, just depending on what years it's going to be the summer of 2024. Uh, yeah, sounds right, summer of 24, next summer. That's all it is. It, it Like, the Lakers are not doomed. And then if the Lakers are good... They could have that 24 pick because uh, the Pelicans could be like, nah, you were just good. You guys are better at us or whatever. Or this pick isn't as valuable as we thought it would be. We'll take your 25 pick. So the Lakers could have the 2024 first of their own plus a buttload of cap space. So, um, I, yeah, like you said earlier to kick things off, Trevor, it's not all doom and gloom. And at some point in the next three years or so, Yeah, I mean, look, they've got they've got a lot of opportunities to change things very very quickly here, uh, if if that's the way things ultimately need uh, need to go. This is it's going to be interesting to see how all this this uh, plays out with this team. Uh, I'm bringing in uh, Andy. Andy, how are you doing? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. 
what do you have for us, Andy? No, Andy. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, yeah, okay. I, can, I can hear you. Okay, now. sorry about that. Yeah, I'm currently out. No worries. That's why. Um, so you know, Westbrook and that coach is probably the main thing. The main things here, but which coach would make sense for the current roster for LeBron, AD? Which coach would make sense? I know maybe Westbrook isn't gonna come back the way you know laker fans have treated him and what he's he said about <laughs> laker fans but which coach would make sense to to coach this team i've no I, i've heard mark jackson but uh, i'm not too sure about mark jackson um so yeah what what are y'all's thoughts on, on that john john go ahead tell us how much you you love darvin ham hey andy uh can you look at my profile name right quick i think i think there goes my answer for you <laughs> Makes sense. What is, it? Makes is it is it still please hire darvin Ham? yes it is please it, hire- yeah it, it's still please hire darvin ham until we ultimately hire steve clifford that is still that until further notice um no darvin ham he just makes too much sense in my opinion i'm now after the bucks losing i started to realize i'm like hmm if you hire darvin i'm a little curious if he like implements everything from Milwaukee. And the only thing that really bothers me about bringing everything from Milwaukee is Milwaukee gives up a bunch of threes, corner threes too. And I mean, that's like Miami gives up threes too, but are they give up a lot of three point attempts? Milwaukee gives up a lot of threes made in general. The difference is Milwaukee, they'll have like incredibly late closeouts because they're packing the paint. Miami, They'll, they'll just, like, be freaky fast and close and actually have good closeouts. So, like, if there's anything that Darvin Ham could leave Milwaukee, leave the, the three-point defense in Milwaukee. Leave that. But, um, yeah, I've been on the Darvin Ham bandwagon since maybe January or whatever. He makes the most sense. Um, yeah, Mark Jackson, I wouldn't, like, hate it, but he I wouldn't really want Mark personally either. Um but yeah, so Darvin Ham definitely makes the most sense in my opinion. So so let me let me put this out there. I woke up this morning in a start like to a a start, like just sat up straight out of bed. And you know how you have those dreams that feel real? Like Way too real. Yeah. Yeah. So I had one of those. And my dream that I had was that it randomly gets an I dreamt that I looked at my phone and there was, it wasn't Woj, it was, it was Shams <laughs> had a tweet saying that the Lakers had come to terms with Quinn Snyder, who had secured his, his release from the Utah Jazz to be their head coach. And in my dream, I was like, oh my gosh, we got to go jump on this. We got to go cover this. Let's go, let's go talk about it. And I woke up this morning thinking... <laughs> The Lakers, like I checked my phone to see if it was real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that was, I don't know if that's a premonition. I don't know if that is me being overly obsessed. It's pro- That's probably what it is. But I, I literally had a, a dream last night and it felt super real. 
that the Lakers had landed on on Quinn Snyder, even though that that seems unlikely at, at the stage. Hey, if that's real, I wouldn't be upset either. Yeah, I, would, I would like Quinn too. Yeah. So so if okay, worst scenario possible, they bring back Westbrook. What's the best coach to bring in? I know, I know, it's probably the worst scenario, but you know, last season from last season, anything's possible. So, um, if they were to bring back Westbrook, which coach would make sense to coach this Lakers team? I mean, again, if we brought back Russ, I'm fearful that we're going to hire Terry Stotts. I really am. Um, Why do you say fearful? What is it that you don't like about 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 Terry Stotts? It's just you're redoing Frank Vogel, except Frank's a defensive coach and he's mediocre, I guess, offensively. Terry is a good offensive coach and he's never had good defensive teams. Granted, his best player was Dane, but like still, they were really, really bad defensively. So you're just redoing Frank Vogel. And then, I mean, as good as he is of an offensive coach or whatever, LeBron's still the best player and like there's only so much of a system. You could have with LeBron as the best player because, um, you know, he's going to want his you know, little ISO touches where for some stupid reason everybody just stands in a corner and acts like they don't know how to cut or do anything off the ball. So, like, Terry's a fine coach. I'm not here to, like, bash on him or whatever, but he's redoing Frank Vogel, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, it's it's – the inverse of Frank Vogel in, in that way. So if you bring back Russ, who was the best coach? I mean, I really think, though, the X's and O's, they matter. The scheme, it matters. But what matters most is who will Russ listen to. I think that, that's what matters most because we already heard from, like, you know, from week one with the Lakers, Russ was already pushing back about doing things that Frank Vogel was asking him to do. I don't think Russell Westbrook is at a stage in his career anymore where he can be the guy to do that, at least not if you want to have success. If you want to have any shot at figuring out a way to make it fit, Russ has got to come in with the mindset of, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. And I don't think he had that mindset this year. Whatever coach you hire, if Russ comes back, needs to be able to get that out of him next season. And so I don't I don't have an answer as far as who that is. Maybe it's Darvin Ham. Maybe it's somebody else. but. I think as much as focus on this guy's an offensive coach, this this guy's a defensive coach, I think the buy-in and the ability of the coach to get specifically Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, those guys to buy into what he's doing, that is the biggest factor out of any in terms of hiring a head coach. That's that's what I believe. Or here's another here's a better answer to, to the original question. Uh, the best coach for Russ is on a different team. So maybe... And the trade that team. <laughs> All right. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I'm gonna keep listening and y'all have a great day. Hey, thanks, Andy. Thank you for joining us. I right, thank you. All right, we'll we'll do one more. We'll do one more. I like that, Sean. The best coach is on another team. It's on another team. That's pretty good. Thank you, thank you. I worked on that one. Uh, that was you've been been working on that one for a bit, huh? Uh, I've got Mr. Wavy, hey, uh, hey. Uh, who says he is. He says he's a professional overthinker. Professional overthinker, I am. 
a journalist also from Montreal, and we have our own basketball team coming this summer in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. So I'm a columnist for uh, Cult Montreal Magazine covering them. Uh, I have an interview with former NBA champ Joel Anthony coming out soon. He's our GM. And nice. That, that's fantastic. So, you know, on the topic of former NBA players helping teams, um, I kind of had two questions. One, what do you guys think of the idea of some former Lakers coming back in the coaching staff? Um, obviously, you have guys like Jared Dudley, Tyson Chandler, who used to hoop with us, um, helping out the Mavs in a seemingly big way this season. Um, you know, other than that, uh, I thought Rondo would be a great candidate, but unfortunately, um, it seems like he's in a very disturbing situation. Um, and then my other question was, how much do you think we should look at the G League moving forward? Um, we, we had some great candidates in there. Um, you know, getting someone like Mac McClung as a two-way seems like um, a really exciting opportunity. And of course, when and Gabriel brought a lot to the team in the last, um, you know, quarter, if you will, quarter of the season. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of having it be a former player as your as your coach, I think in terms of which is what I what I was talking about in terms of getting that buy in, I think having it come having the message come from somebody who has been there, been in the trenches, physically played in the NBA before, I think that can be a benefit. Um, it depends on who the player is, obviously, but I think that that's it's not a bad idea, and that's where, and I mean Sean will be happy with this, but maybe that's a, a feather in the cap. For uh, for his guy, for Darvin Ham, um, you can find somebody who's got that playing experience. Jared Dudley, I was hoping he would stay on with the Lakers as an assistant coach, but he couldn't turn down that job with, with Jason Kidd. I think they've had so much, so much success there with the Mavs. I mean, I it seems like we really did miss him in the locker room this season, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I just read his audio, or listened to his audio book, rather, and you you hear how much of a help he was during that championship run with guys like Kuz and, and some of the younger guys and really getting their head in the right space and, and leveling the guys who are vets and, and might have a little more of an ego or a broken ego. Yeah, absolutely. I think they did 100% miss him. And, I mean, that was a guy that, based on his reaction on social media, LeBron wanted him back. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers made the choice not to not to bring him back. Jared Dudley uh, specifically told me that he, that he wanted to come back, that he wanted to play another year and wanted to do that. Um, but... Obviously, he had an opportunity to go be a coach, and the Lakers weren't going to bring him back as a as a player, so he moved on, which is you know understandable. Uh, if you could bring him back in a coaching capacity, I, I would love to see it. But I just I, I think he's got a good thing going here in Dallas, and so I don't see him leaving that right now. But if if there's a possibility to do that, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Uh, I was definitely on board with Rondo too. But like you said, I think current situation suggests that um, that's not going to be happening anytime soon Sean what what about you what do you think about a former player does that is that something that can help move the needle in terms of of hiring a head coach uh having a former player as a head coach um I think it always does depend on the actual player like for example some players are just born for like basic kid for example let's try not to get depressed when remembering that he was a leader on the Lakers staff last year and if honestly, we were, if we were able to retain him, he probably would be the head coach right now, and we would not even be here. Um, but I, I think it just depends, honestly. Obviously, Jared Dudley would love him. Um, I'm going to touch on the Rondo thing, because you guys already did. But I wouldn't mind it, but um, like like you said, Darvin Ham was a four player. I think I think as a head coach, though, unless you're a rare case, I think 
JK, like that team was just so desperate. But um, and this was your pushback on Ronda being a head coach initially was, hey, let's have him be an assist first, and then allow him to get his foot in the water. And I think that's why the J-Kid was a good head coach at first, because you just threw him in the fire and to figure everything out without having any prior coaching experience. And then I thought he did a good job in Milwaukee. He was a big reason why Giannis really developed and Middleton got better. And now we're seeing what he's doing with Luka and the Mavs in Dallas. Um, so, yeah, I, I think – if they're coming straight out and they're uh, they haven't had any coaching experience, have the main assistant to start off, and then uh, then sure, why not? Lovers being yeah, uh, I mean coaches. You know, the one thing I was gonna say, which I think speaks to the point you just made, is if if you get a coach sometimes who's um, you know a, a player who's a rookie coach, if you will, you you could you know, tread on those waters of accidentally getting like a Derek Fisher with the Knicks situation, and mm-hmm. I'm sure the Lakers want to avoid a lot of. Phil Jackson's GMing ethos in in New York, <laughs> yes. you know, despite having him supposedly consult with with this offseason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You do want to be a little bit cautious in that situation. Um, as far as you, you brought up the, the G League as well, yeah, I mean, this is something that is becoming, and I, I love this. It's becoming a bigger, bigger thing in the NBA where um, having a path for a player through the G League is is more normalized i felt like even what five years ago going through the g league was looked upon a lot more negatively than now it's it's becoming just a, a regular thing i mean of course the lakers had great success you know alex caruso you could talk about uh austin reeves even though he jumped really quickly up to the, the regular team but he certainly um got development there in the in summer league and things of that nature so i do think the g league is going to be important for the lakers particularly since they already have this reputation as an organization that does a nice job unearthing talent late in the draft uh, if you can find guys that you can develop through the g league it's even more valuable for the lakers than it is for a team like uh the, a team that's not really trying to win right now like they i don't know the, the orlando magic who are on my mind because they got the number one pick uh they are not in the cap situation that the lakers are in so for a team like the lakers who is completely capped out like ridiculously capped out they their ability to find players in the G League that you can bring in on a minimum contract that can be contributors, that's huge. I mean, that makes even more of an impact. You look at the Miami Heat right now with Max Struess, with Gabe Vincent, guys that they found, and they've got these players on minimum contracts. Yeah, I think the G League can be one, huge for the Lakers. If you find, you're not going to find stars, but if you can find role players, a guy who can competently give you 10 to 15 minutes a night, that is found gold, and I think the G League can provide that if you do it right. Yeah, and again, Jordan, uh, maybe. I mean, I think you you think of that young burst that this team could have used. Also, you can only wonder what would have happened if if we had um, experimented with the G League a little earlier in the season. Sure. Yeah, especially you know the the young legs definitely helped the Lakers out. Uh, a lot more than the older players did. Look at the guys who found success. We're talking about Austin Reeves, Wayne Gabriel, Stanley Johnson. These are the guys who essentially popped for the Lakers and and, and look good. Uh, DJ Augustine being perhaps the one uh, veteran player that they added that um, that showed something. But the young guys have been pretty much the, the way to go for the Lakers, and I would foresee more of that uh, for the future. So let's finish up with, with this. And I'll throw it back to you here, Mr. Wavy. Um, what hey, and, and you know, you on, on the topic of of 
you know, farm teams and developing leagues. Take huh? a look at the Canadian Elite Basketball League because we had Xavier Moon, um, who's a three-time MVP these past few seasons, and he just signed a two-way with the Clippers. Um, there's a, a bunch of success stories from this league. If you guys are looking for something to watch over the summer, uh, I think it's it's a real exciting and up-and-coming league. And, uh, yeah, you never know. You might see some NBA talent in there sometime soon. Cool. All right. We'll definitely have to have to take a look at that. Yeah, there's there's plenty of NBA of talent that's been coming in from from Canada in recent years. Definitely something to uh, to keep an eye on. How are you? How are you feeling heading into this summer for the Lakers? Are you feeling optimistic or are you feeling pessimistic? I think I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I think that I, I think a lot of people know this is their last chance. You whether that's Rob, whether that's Russ where that's genie to some extent. So I think everyone is trying to do their best and be on their best behavior more than ever, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And my only concern is that there's a, there's desperation there and bad decisions can be made when, when desperation sets in, um, look at Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov. But, but <laughs> I also think there is that, that understanding that, Hey, you know, we got to get this right. We have to figure it out. We have to figure out a path to success, and this has to be fixed right now. Uh, Sean, finish up with you. Optimistic or pessimistic for this coming summer? Uh, right now, I'm cautiously optimistic, but uh, that could change quickly depending on what they do with Russ and what they do with the coaching hire. They hire Steve Clifford as head coach, so that would be very quickly pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, what what they do with these first few moves might set the tone for the rest of the summer. It's coming up, you know. It's it feels like obviously the off season has been kind of long already. It's going to be a long off season because the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, but we're not that far away from the big moves really picking up. We're talking about you know second, third week of June. We're going to be in the thick of things for the draft, and that means a lot of trade discussion. So it's right around the corner where the Lakers are going to be able to start actually executing some moves and, uh, and some of this stuff's going to come to fruition. So exciting time coming up here for the Lakers and fingers crossed. Hopefully they are able to fix this and get things back on track. But I do want to thank everybody for coming here for, for joining us today. We'll do this again next week. And thank we'll you guys for basketball. And Hey, thank you so much for, for joining us. Take care. All right, everybody, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, where we put out fresh Lakers content every day and turn on those notifications. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.